Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things, friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. We uh, uh, all survived the national nightmare known as Jason's sabbatical around here, and and we actually had uh, one more thing that we wanted to give to him and hope to have had it ready for that first Sunday that he was back, but there are a couple of reasons that we couldn't. But it seems like on the day that he's going to preach, uh, this, this makes perfect sense to show this now. Um, Jason, we want you to receive this as a gift, but also as a testimony of, of your church and how we have experienced your ministry. Have I given you enough time? All right, enjoy this. Tell me about the first time you met Jason. Do you remember that? You're taking me way back. Yeah, that's been a long time. Jason and I was, was real close for uh, several times. Went out to eat on Monday. I mentored him. Yeah, you mentored him. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. He's very loving. He is. That is the thing that came across to me. You know, he's, you get the, I'm so glad to see you. It's been too long. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, but yeah. he's just so, he's, he, you just really sense he really cares. Can you tell us about Jason? Well, he was always very friendly to me and gracious, and, and he loved my grandsons. No doubt. They were good friends of his. Mm-hmm. He, he even asked my son, Mike, can I call her grandma? So I was always grandma to Jason. Oh, and uh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. How do you feel about Jason? I love him. Yeah? How come? Because Jason did himself. doesn't seem to bother If you've never met Jason, you need to meet him because he's a pick-me-up. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big pick me up. He's a big pick He's a people lover. Mm-hmm. And I, I like people. I like to be around people. So he's a people lover. And I... Very, very easy to talk, very comfortable to talk with. I know you're visiting with him. Yeah. He is genuinely interested in what you're having to say. Yeah. And so it's yeah. a. He's a keeper. He is a keeper. Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Has he taught you anything? Told me anything? Yeah. Told me faithfulness. Did he? <laughs> How so? And, uh, How did he I do don't that? know. Uh, <clears throat> we, we just had a lot of good conversations that were uplifting and, and it was a joy to work with him. Yeah. Yeah. He loves you. He cares about you. He likes to play ball. He's got golf course to him. He's so willing to give up who he is. Basically, he's got to give whatever he has. I loved him dearly, still do. Yeah. And would love to see him. If you were praying for Jason. For blessings as he goes to visit people, that the God, God would put in his mouth the words that he needs to say to, in talking with him and the words that he needs to say when it comes to prayer and the words that he needs to say whenever he's just giving thanks. And the love that he needs to, for his family when he's gone, when people call him and he gives up his family to go be with somebody else. Hmm. 
I said, give him encouragement. Give his family the love that they need and understanding that what he's got to do, just like for his lovely wife when she has to go deliver a baby. Yeah. Because she can't stay there and the baby is not going to wait. That's right. So yes, I would pray for that and I pray for his health. Here's your chance. If you have a, a message for Jason, if you just want to look right in there and just tell him whatever it is you want him to, to hear. Jason, we love you. Appreciate the work that you're doing. Continue to live and work for Jesus. <laughs> yeah no stay here stay here where are you going thank you i you should know that there were others that we wanted to be a part of it and we went to film one time to to hear from betty rice and had to go from there to the hospital and she never was able to get on that but there were others and you just need to know that's just a sampling of our gratitude but also a sampling of the impact you have made. And um, this is a terrible thing to do to a guy before he preaches, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> terrible. We love you. You don't have to say anything, but you're welcome to say something if you'd like to. Thanks. Okay. Okay. No, no, I want to talk for a bit. Okay. <laughs> I'll call you back up. I'll call you back up. Yeah, I'll call you back up. I can't preach right now. Those are my people. Those are my friends. They don't get to come to church anymore, but I get to bring church to them. I want to thank the team that was assembled to help, and I want you to help. I need you to help. And someday you will not get to go to church because you'll be old or you'll be sick or you'll be in the hospital. And the church will come to you and they will bring you the Eucharist, and they will look you in the eye and tell you God loves you, and that is what the church is. The church is the gathered body of Christ. Even when you can't come, the church comes to you. I had some things I was going to say about Betty Nichols, about Jim Harmon, about Donita Murrah, about Jerry Bell, about James Shea, about the Gaines. had the most wonderful conversation with Tamara Hughes. And she's asked me how sabbatical was going early on. And I said, I hate it. I miss my friends. I miss my church. I miss my family. I miss caring for people. LaDonna Bennett went to have brain surgery, and I didn't get to go. I didn't get to go and hold her hands and look her in the eye and tell her God loves her. He's going to take care of her. And she said the most beautiful thing. She said, how affirming of your call. And I said, what do you mean affirming? This is terribly frustrating. 
And she said, no, Jason, it's affirming of your call that you, you, this is who you are, who God has created you to be, and you miss it. So how affirming to come back to that. And that was so meaningful for me, for me Tamara. Thank you for helping me through that moment. And I'm going to mute my button again so I can blow my nose. <laughs> test, test. Mm. And now I'm back. So, <laughs> what a joy you've given me to be your pastor. For 16 years, you've given me the great privilege of caring and loving people. And for over about 107 of you, I have taken you and laid you to rest in the hope of the resurrection. There is no greater privilege I've been given to be as your pastor, to carry many of you to the next stage of life. So when I got to go back and see Jim Harwin, I just cried. I just cried. And then I saw Jerry Bell and I just cried. I just sat with Jerry and I just cried. And then I saw Betty this week and I just looked her in the eyes and I said what I get to say to people. I may throw the whole sermon out. That's fine. <laughs> I just looked, I grabbed both of her hands, looked her deep in the eyes and I said, Betty, God loves you. Can you imagine that God loves you more than you love your kids? She said, no. I said, Betty, can you imagine that God loves you more than you love your grandkids? And she's crying and she says, how can he possibly do it? And Betty's getting up there. And we talk about those last moments. And it's just, just thank you for letting me carry the love of God into homes and into pulpits and into Bible studies. You have not hired John or I to be the best moral person at church. You have hired, you've called, you have called John and I and Britt and Aaron and Brandon. You've called us to carry Christ into your lives and to tell you that you're beloved. And at times when the scripture says so, to say stop doing this and start doing that. Sometimes it's hard to do. Sometimes, John, it's hard to look at the Scripture and say, oh, no, I have to tell them this, but you're called to do that. You are not hired to be good. You are called to preach the gospel to you and to carry the love of God everywhere you go. Thank you for calling us. And praise God for equipping us to be able to have, at times, the grace to go into rooms like James Shea there's Trudy, we're carrying the love of God to Lynn. There's R.K., we laid June in the ground with the hope and the promise of the resurrection. Thank you. And now play this really fun video. <laughs> Man, Sabbath. So I wanted to go into the sabbatical about the way that McCall jumped into this pool. <laughs> sabbatical was wonderful. It was that deep breath that you hope it to be. I learned so much. Oh, look at BK fly. 
I think I went to the pool about 40 times with the kids. So grateful for my family, for Berkeley and McCall and for Katie, and for the deep breath over eight weeks. Oh, where's Teresa? Is Teresa here? She's probably back with. Oh, she's probably back in the back. Playing golf with that kid. His. Uh, I would cry again. This is at my folks' house. Katie and I had the opportunity to go and visit and spent my week with my mom and dad in Oregon. <laughs> and uh, that's the little town in Idaho we named her after. And the little lake in that town that means so much to me. Whew. Kate, I love you. Grateful for the time that we had together, grateful for the time we had for our kids. Thank you, church, for all you did uh, when we came back. Um, Katie and I sat in the living room floor and opened up about 40 cards. And uh, for the card writer who cares for people in the life of the church, um, it was wonderful. I kind of dominated those first few staff meetings when I came back. I hadn't talked to many of my adult friends for so long. <laughs> By the way, I called my sabbatical the dadical because I just got to be a dad all summer. And what a gift that was. But one of the things I said early on at church when I came back to staff meetings is I so deeply missed you. And I missed church I missed being at church. You need to know that this matters so deeply. What you are doing in this moment, you have come to gather as the body of Christ each week. What you do so deeply matters. The local church is how the world is changed. Your commitment to this body of Christ, I believe, is what remakes the whole world the way you live amongst one another, the way you forgive one another, the way you embody the gospel and take the gospel from this place to your homes and your schools and your workplaces, that's what remakes the world and sets the world to right. The participation in the local covenantal community of God. That membership class we just did was not just something that you just do and go about. No, that was world-changing world-altering. Katie and I went sailing on Lake Michigan. Amazing time. I've had the opportunity to develop a nice, wonderful friendship with Danny Kwanstrom, who's a pastor in Michigan, and his dad is a pastor in the Chicago area. His dad, the guy on that far left, if you could turn the lights down so I could see Mark better, his dad's the, the chair of the theology department at Olivet. He has this 29-foot boat on Lake Michigan. And here's my beautiful wife sailing on Lake Michigan with Chicago in the background. And here's a picture of me sailing. I don't know if you can see that. Um, Shane, could you zoom in? There I am. That's who I was sailing. For those of you who are under the age of 40, um, this is a scene. This is Bill Murray in the movie What About Bob? A classic. In fact, it's probably on Netflix. You can probably stream it for free, free somewhere. If you're under 35 and haven't seen this movie, please go watch What About Bob? 
I didn't do so well sailing at times. Uh, we were way out there, and Lake Michigan is huge and choppy. You can turn the lights back up. And uh, there was a moment when Mark, we were just getting, trying to get out of the harbor. I'm trying to get out of the harbor. And Mark said, Jason, take the wheel. Like, sure, it shouldn't be too hard. I'll just take the wheel. And I didn't know how it worked because I'd never been on the sailboat before. Uh, and he was like, just take us, out to the, take us out to the lake. And I would turn it this way and turn it that way. And I wouldn't, didn't know what I was doing. And every time Mark looked up from his ropes or pulleys or whatever he was doing with all of that, he, um, he, looked, he looked up and said, Jason, that's the land. Point us out towards the sea. And, and then he would get back to his ropes and pulleys, and then he would turn back, and I would be pointed back to the every time, every time, like six times he looked back, and he would look up, he'd be like, what are you doing? Go this direction, out to the sea, out to the unknown. And I, I just said, your son Danny's got to drive. I can't, I can't do that. And I laughed and laughed. I was so deeply embarrassed because I couldn't just do a simple thing like head out to sea. And I thought to myself when I got back to land, that's how I felt on sabbatical. I kept wanting to orient my ship back to the local body of Christ. I needed it. I needed to come and to pray and to be with you. I needed to experience your life so we can have disagreements, so we can then come together and say, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? I needed the bread and the cup because that is the way in which I orient my life, that I am the taken, blessed, broken, given people of God. I needed that. The world at times says, take yourself out to sea. I am oriented to come back to the table. And that was my biggest lesson of all of my time away, is that I need this. You need this. We need this. We need one another to be the body of Christ together. And so thank you. John and Brett, come up. Let's read some scripture. Boy, Shane, have I thrown... I heard your laugh, buddy. Have I thrown some curveballs at you today? Today's scripture reading... Oh, should we stand? Oh, no, we can sit down. It's relaxed. What? You want him to stand? Would you stand for the reading of the word? <laughs> <laughs> Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. The kingdom of heaven is like a wealthy landowner who got up early in the morning and went out first thing to hire workers to tend to his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a day's wage for their work, and they headed out to the vineyard while he went home to deal with some other things. About three hours later, he went back to the marketplace. He saw some unemployed people standing around with nothing to do. Do you need some work? Go over to my vineyard and join the crew there. I'll pay you well. So off they went to join the crew at the vineyard. About three hours later, and then three hours after that, the landowner went back to the market and saw another crew of men and another and hired them too, sending them to work in his vineyard and promising to pay them well. Then finally, late in the afternoon, at dusk, the landowner went again through the marketplace and saw other workers still standing around. Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us. Well, you should go over to my vineyard and work. And off they went, 
When quitting time arrived, the landowner called to his foreman. Pay the workers their day's wages, beginning with the workers I hired most recently and ending with the workers who have been here all day. So the workers who had been hired just a short while before came to the foreman, and he paid them each a whole day's wage. Then other workers who had arrived during the day were paid, and each of them received a whole day's wage. Finally, the workers who had been toiling since early in the morning came thinking they'd be paid more, but the foreman paid each of them a day's wage. As they received their pay, this last group of workers began to protest. We've been here since the crack of dawn, and you're paying us the exact same wage you paid the crew that just showed up? We deserve more than they do. We've been slogging in the heat of the sun all day. These others haven't worked nearly as long as we have. And the landowner heard these protests. Friend, no one has wronged you here today. This isn't about what you deserve. You agreed to work for a day's wage, did you not? So take your money and go home. I can give my money to whomever I please, and it pleases me to pay everyone the same amount of money. Do you think I don't have the right to dispose of my money as I wish? Or does my generosity somehow prick at you? And that is your picture of the kingdom of heaven. The last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, Thanks be to God. Thanks to Brandon for that option of the voice translation of the Bible. It's a little bit more conversational and fun. Thanks, Britt, and thanks, John, for reading that along with us. We are in a sermon series called Uncommon Faith, and it has been an opportunity for us to hear from the words and the mouth and those red-letter words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, doesn't this parable burn you up? I don't like it at all. I called it a terrible parable in my Sunday school class this morning. It just makes me, it just burns me up. And I think that's what Jesus wanted it to do. This isn't necessarily a parable this morning we're going to read as a perfect allegory, as a one-to-one understanding of this is who we are and this is who God is. It's going to be a parable of a story to kind of get at you and burn at you. Because somehow if we read it as God as this landowner, God seems so unjust, and we don't like that. It's hard for us to picture who that is. It burns me up. And I'm going to skip that illustration because I talked too long at the beginning. And I'm going to go to this. I'm going to start at the beginning. And that's good because it's, it's probably a good thing from today. God has called all of us. And as you read this parable, there's a question I'm going to ask you later. It's this. When you heard that parable, where did you place yourself in the reading? Did the parable burn you up and get at you? Because when you read the parable, You assumed you were the worker that showed up first? Because I do, and I did. I read this parable, and I get mad at God because I've showed up first. Didn't you see that video about me? It's a pretty dang good video, right? That's the kind of video of somebody who showed up first. 
So here's the message early. Live like you showed up last. If you live like you showed up last, you'll understand that you should be in awe of the grace of God that He's called us anyway. If you live like you showed, you'll understand yourself not as perfection waiting to be awarded, but as an outcast called by the grace of God and redeemed. The message of this passage, I hope, the instruction of this passage is this. Live like you showed up last. The gospel of the passage will come at the table. But the instruction of the passage is this. Live like you showed up last. Because if you live like you showed up first, you're carrying around your ledger sheet. You understand yourselves as every good act, you are going to get one more gold, star, one more gold jewel in your crown. If you live like you showed up first, you're always comparing yourself to one another and looking over your shoulder. If you live like you show up first, everything is about entitlement and it's about you, not about the God who calls you. Because the kingdom of God is not about you. The kingdom of God is about the reclamation of the whole world through the presence and spirit of Jesus Christ through the body of Christ. And the disciples didn't get that. See, there's something really important about the parable that comes before this. It's the parable of the rich young man or the rich young ruler. And he comes to Christ, he comes to the, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We don't have to go any further in the whole parable. The parable stops right there. It's over. You don't have to find out about what the rich man does or what he doesn't do. There's a great message there, but the parable ends right there. What must I do? He's asking the wrong question. You can't do nothing to inherit eternal life. Nothing you do inherits eternal life. Jesus ends that parable like he ends this parable. The whole thing is backwards and upside down. It's a new kind of kingdom where the last are first and the first are last. And when we come to this parable, I want you to ask yourself the question when you heard it again, where did you place yourself in the parable? Where did you find yourself? Because there's a specific way of understanding faith that I think the culture at large has told us this is how it's going to be. And there's an episode of NBC's The Good Place, season one, chapter one, starring Ted Danson and Kristen Bell. And aren't they adorable? I love these people. I love this show. And I probably shouldn't say, I don't know if we have permission to show this clip, but they will probably forgive us. If not, if not, Michael Shore, executive director and showrunner of The Good Place and co-host of the podcast, one of my favorite people in the world, maybe he'll forgive me. So, but watch this articulation of what a lot of people understand what the afterlife may be like. Go ahead and hit those lights and then go ahead, Shane. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to your first day in the afterlife. You are all, simply put, good people. But how do we know that you are good? How are we sure? During your time on Earth, every one of your actions had a positive or a negative value. 
depending on how much good or bad that action put into the universe. Every sandwich you ate, every time you bought a magazine, every single thing you did had an effect that rippled out over time and ultimately created some amount of good or bad. You know how some people pull into the breakdown lane when there's traffic and they think to themselves, ah, who cares? No one's watching. We were watching. Surprise! <laughs> anyway, when your time on Earth has ended, we calculate the total value of your life using our perfectly accurate measuring system. Only the people with the very highest scores, the true cream of the crop, get to come here to the good place. What happens to everyone else, you ask? Don't worry about it. The point is, you are here because you lived one of the very best lives that could be lived. And you won't be alone. Oh, th- if you just walked in, I saw one of you just walked This is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is the opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That whole system of meritocracy where you get what you deserve, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I saw you giggling watching some of those words. I love this. This so, makes me so funny. I'm in a circle of a couple. Number one, gave out full-size candy bars at Halloween. Amen. I want credit for that. Mr. Cornwell, I know where his house was in Ontario, Oregon. He gave out full-size candy bars to God be the glory on Halloween. How about this one? This was another good one, too. Ending slavery, 814,292. It's fantastic. But then this one, I loved. (laughs) If you remain loyal to the Cleveland Browns, it's a positive 53.83. I loved that one. Hallelujah. If you are rooting, the Browns play, I think, the Colts today and have a shot at a win. And if there are some diehard Browns fans, boy, they need some eternal life satisfaction. But I've got good news for you. This is not the gospel. God completely throws out any sort of idea that you deserve or you have earned. It is grace. It is not what you do. God has called and you've answered the call. It's a completely new kind of kingdom where the first are last and the last are first. So as you read the parable, Where do you place yourself in the story? Could you possibly make a decision to habit and practice yourself as someone who is always grateful for the grace of God in your life? Who doesn't look over your shoulder to see if you're comparing yourself to the person in the pew next to you or the Instagram account next to you Could you find yourself in awe of the grace of God that he has called you at all and that you have answered? The instruction of the passage is to live like you showed up last. The gospel of the passage is this. God is calling all of you now to the table. He is looking at you as the, potentially as the five o'clock worker. Why don't the five o'clock workers, why aren't they working? Maybe because no one wanted them to work. Maybe because they weren't good workers. Maybe because they were the outcast. 
Maybe because they didn't look right or they, didn't, they, they were the JV team or the B team. And God looks at your life right now and he calls you to the table and he says you're welcome. If you feel today like you are not worthy of the table, if you are not worthy of the love of God, this parable is for you as well. Because no matter how you feel inside or what you've done, God calls you now to the table to be part of this new kind of kingdom. The kind of kingdom that changes the world as the Spirit blows across the pews of local churches around the world. God is calling you to the family. God is saying, you, even you, no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel, this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is for everyone. And so come to the table. Receive bread. Dip it into the cup and receive the welcome and forgiveness of God that remakes the world. Every week we come to the table and an eschatological event takes place. Heaven meets earth as we come to the table and bits of matzah bread and grape juice become the body of Christ as the means of grace and the hope of glory. And so come to the table. The table is yours. God is coming. God is calling. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel about yourself, God comes and says, come on into my vineyard. You can be part of the new kind of kingdom too. I love you. So come to the table. If you're helping with the elements today, that's our move. Our move is here. Our move is to grace. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to come to the table. I'm going to ask you to stand, and then I'm going to ask you to move to your left and come down the aisle that's on your left, and you'll be coming forward. The Church of the Nazarene practices what we call an open table, which means uh, we believe that if you know that you need God, you can come to the table. You do not have to be a member that was received this morning. You, can be not, you don't have to be a member. If you know you need God, and we're going to ask you to come down like the last worker, with your palms outstretched like this. And someone's going to place a piece of matzah in your hands. And if you'd take that piece of matzah and then dip it into the juice and then partake right there, then you can go to a place of prayer. I'm going to pray to bless these elements so Pastor Kristen and Caleb can have these moments to prepare. Jesus, I ask that you would bless these elements and that you would transform them into a means of grace. And that today, they would be an opportunity to be welcome into your kingdom. And today, they would be an opportunity for us to live a life of gratitude. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. It'll take them a little bit to, to get that ready. I'm grateful for their service. This is an odd thing. I'm usually doing this, and John's doing these moments. You'll have a couple of different opportunities um, after you take communion. There are these altars here. I think we're out of Kleenexes. I think I used all the Kleenexes. I think I did. 
you can come and pray here at this place of prayer. These two padded altars are reserved for healing. And if you would like to see, have someone pray with you and anoint you with oil for healing, you can go to any of those padded altars. There's also something we've done the last year or so, I think, maybe longer even. But there's this bowl, which gives us an opportunity to remember our baptism. Pastor John likes to say, it's very still right now. But if you need to be jolted into the reminder of your baptism, that you are a called son or daughter of the king, you can make your way over here and dip your fingers in that water to be reminded of who you are. For on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. That same night, he took the cup, redefining it as the new covenant in his blood for the forgiveness of sins, saying, take and drink in remembrance of me. Our bread today is a gluten-free matzah cracker tying us to the Old Testament story of Exodus. And it's open to everyone. If you can't make it to the table, we'll bring the table to you. And Pastor Kristen and Caleb will be doing that in these moments. I'm going to ask you now to please stand. Come to the table to receive the grace of a God who calls you now.
is most comfortable for you at this time. You can remain sitting there. You can gather up at this place of prayer. You can lay hands on those who've gathered at the altars to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of confession, and then Pastor Britt is going to come up and pray for some of those who we have our hearts set on in intercession. She'll conclude our time in the Lord's Prayer as we continue our day of worship together. Let's pray together. And Father, we do confess that oftentimes and sometimes we find ourselves grumbling and comparing and getting out our ledger sheet. God, forgive us. And allow us, God, through your spirit, the ability to laugh and skip and jump with the delight that, God, you've called us, even us. You've called me, even me. God, I ask that in these moments you would give us the reality of your love and your grace, which calls us now. We also confess that at times, God, we don't come to your table because of the way we feel about ourselves. Lord, I ask that for those of us in that prayer of confession, that you would pour your love and grace into those hearts, into our hearts, into my heart, that we may catch by your spirit the vision of your call and your amazing, amazing grace. We love you. We thank you for your deep love for all of us, even me and even you. Won't you take a moment to pray for those among us who are sick or hurting? For little Caleb Wire as he recovers from broken bones. For Ken Hardy as he recovers from surgery. Kinsey as she wrestles with her cancer coming back. For Len and for Trudy Caprero. And take a moment to pray for Pastor Mike Laughlin, who's on his sabbatical right now, that he would be filled up, that he would be rested, that he would return to us in a few weeks, ready for the next step that God has called him to. you take a moment to pray for anyone in your life who is in need of healing, physical, emotional, relational. Pray that God would be with that person right now. And 
we, Lord, we know that among us is one whose heart is heavier than all of our hearts. Oh, God, won't you sit with that person a while? Give them rest and peace. Open our eyes to the people around us that we might be the hands and feet of your love and grace to that person. We'll take a moment now to pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray using debts and debtors. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Us this day, our daily. 